0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Jerusalem has become a melting pot of artistic expression, and none is that so self-evident than in the vision of Amos Gittai. Born in Haifa, Israel, Gittai portrays Jerusalem as a portrait of orthodox ideals and a city that has its beauties and its defects. Today, we will discuss the evolution of Gittai and his vision for a better future for a city he holds dear to his heart. The films we will look at are Kadosh, and A Tramway in Jerusalem. Now with Kadosh, meaning sacred, made in 1999, it explores the dark side of religious fundamentalism and how it affects those so absorbed by it. Meyer, a young Talmudic scholar, and his wife Rivka must navigate the profound misogyny of their religion. After trying for 10 years, they have had no luck in having a child. Now with a religion that is still stuck in the dark ages, the orthodoxy of judaism meyer's father forces the two to divorce and for meyer to remarry for marriage without children is not a marriage at all this utterly shatters rivka and her very being and has her question her life and the prison she is in a tramway in jerusalem portrays jerusalem through a series of vignettes that all happen on one tramway that travels from one end of the city to the next Through it, we are introduced to characters from all walks of life, each with their own story and each metaphorically representing the state of the country is in and the conflict of Palestinians and Israelis that is still self-evident today. They sing, they talk, they harass each other and comfort each other, all while riding this train that keeps rolling on, much like life itself. So in Kadosh, Gittai introduces us to the Orthodox Jewish religion by way of a long shot in the very first shot of the film and bringing us into that space and that world.
1: This is a six-minute scene. I mean, I I was gripped, you know. I I was fully invested in the scene just because of how intricate and purposeful it was. But we're literally sitting there for six minutes watching a man get
0: dressed. The thing with the orthodoxy, they're very strict with tradition. They're very religious, actually. They're very into knowledge, reading from the Torah. However, the men are the only ones really reading, and the women don't really have, in a sense, they're not allowed to read, they're not allowed to do certain things, at least if you're in the orthodoxy. The orthodoxy also, like they have all those traditions of putting on all the different clothing. It's, it's pretty much like a religious routine that they have adopted over thousands upon thousands of years, and they've continued those traditions throughout the centuries and such. And I believe what Gitai was kind of trying to portray in, in this was the beauty, but also the ridiculousness of how long it takes to just wake up in the morning. What Gatai is trying to do is draw the viewer into the scene, set up the characters, because we also get, in a sense, in that first shot, you know, because it's a long take and we're holding on on Meyer, who's the main, uh, one of the main characters, the man, you get a sense of what his relationship is to his wife, who's in the bed next to him, who's still asleep. The man is doing all these things to keep that religion alive and ignoring the wife in a way it's real. And they have two separate beds. So there, it's very old school where they're not sharing a bed. You know, sex is viewed very differently in the Orthodox culture. The two women in the film, Rivka and I believe it's Malka, Malka. her sister, especially Malka, she's more of a progressive, has a more modern headspace compared to Rivka, who's kind of still stuck in old traditions and refuses to move on with her life and see that her religion is holding, well, first it's destroying her marriage. It's also holding her back in the fact that it stops her from doing anything with her life. And Malka sees that and wants something more. Even when she's forced into an arranged marriage, she still has an affair with her boyfriend that she had at the time before she got married and still goes back to him because he was one who got out of the orthodoxy and yeah, moved yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, uh, Yaakov, right? Yes, ya- Yaakov, Yaakov. Yeah, and he, yeah. he represents a more forward-thinking way of getting out of old traditions and moving on and, and living. Well, yeah, you could even see that for
1: sure when she goes and visits him later on in the film after she's cut her hair. That's why when you were saying her headspace, I was like, literally, yeah, her headspace. She cut her hair, which I know was a big no-no, right?
0: (laughs) Well, the whole cutting of the hair, it's her fighting the fact that she's been forced into an arranged marriage and mm-hmm. she Rebellion. has she ha, and and yeah, it's a rebelliousness in her in Malka herself, and she's trying to have some semblance of real life because she's been forced into this world of rigidity, chauvinistic tendencies, especially with her husband. Sex is viewed in a certain way. They don't really talk about they're, it. They, they're there to make children. Basically, yeah, they're, women. They're are. just there to make children. It's not like, oh, we need them to also be educated and think for themselves too. It's the man's job to do that in that society, especially in the ultra-Orthodox Jewish religion. It's very traditional that way.
1: Yeah, which women are looked down from the men. They're there to make babies and raise the children in a way. They're not really looked at any more than that in the film, which-
0: I read an article on Film Review. They basically described marriage as marriage without children is no marriage at all. Which is one of the big conflicts we find in
1: the film as you're watching.
0: Yes, especially with uh, Meyer's father. You know, he wants Meyer to divorce Rivka because she hasn't given him children after 10 years of marriage. And for for something like that, To happen in that religion is very uncommon, but it happens. Life happens, but exactly the fact that they're so stuck in the past and they don't have access to like modern medicine and also don't have a a forward-thinking mindset, it's it keeps them ignorant. Yeah, and
1: I feel like you can kind of apply that even to today. That film came out in nineteen ninety-nine, but I feel like when people get married today, you know, there is always that question, even no matter what religion it's like. Oh, when are you going to have kids?
0: Yeah. It's like a societal norm that, you know, when you get married, you, you, you think, okay, when are the grandkids coming? At least the parents are usually of the bride and groom are like, Hey, when are the grandkids coming? But they want their traditions and their religion itself to be carried on into the next generation. Exactly. That's why they're like, Oh, I hope she gives Meyer boys, you know, especially Mm -hmm. when they have him and Rivka separate and Myers then married off to someone else, they're like, may God bless you and that you give them sons of Abraham and also Moses and such. We also see that in certain strict religious sects of Islam, even Christianity too. The male is looked at, you know, as the provider, the leader. And and in most
1: religions, I feel like that's kind of how it goes. Even in the Christian religion, you know, the male is the, he takes care of the work, the woman, you know, tends to the house and things like that, which is not far removed from what is being expressed in this film. This is like it to an extreme degree. Exactly. But those ideals are still held in those other religions in the same way that the man is looked at as the power. And that could even be said for society in general. I mean, you know, it's it's slowly changing a little bit. Being in 2020 where we're at right now, we're seeing finally more of a
0: shift. Because of films like this, if we didn't have films from Gitae, the social consciousness would not be able to be like, okay, this is really shedding light on a aspect of society that needs to change. I agree. I think Gatai's has always been about that. I mean, I've, I've watched many of his films. The common theme, even through A tramway in Jerusalem, it's very similar. He's always trying to portray his society or his, his the country that he comes from and portray it and shine light on the inadequacies of that culture, as well as what beauty is there? And yeah, we should hold on to certain traditions, but there's certain traditions that need to change in order for us to move forward and live together. And it's exactly like Ozu the week before,
1: you know, he was also showing that how important family is and the, just spending that time in those moments. And these films were made years ago. Exactly. Decades. Yeah,
0: I mean, like with Ozu, <laughs> it was the 1950s. And, you know, with Amos Kadosh was in 1999. Tramway to Jerusalem actually just came out two years ago in 2018. Society goes through these different surges in social consciousness that need to be addressed and taken seriously and also taken in a sense that how can we make this better? How can we better ourselves and then move forward into a more modern viewpoint of you know, freedom for religious practices and such and how to get along with one another.
1: Which transitions perfectly into his most recent film and looking at 1999 Kadosh to Tramway, you kind of see a a growth there and you kind of still see the same message, but it seems to be more positive now. I just want to say when I first started watching it, first off, I thought of a theater play, right? Because there's a bunch, it's just like a bunch of vignettes and things like that. And I was like, why am I watching people ride a tram In Jerusalem, right? Right. (laughs) And then as I kind of, you never think (laughs) about it, but each of these people is going through something different. Each of us have our own lives, our own religions, our own cultures. This film is, it's showing that Jerusalem is a melting pot now, you know, so many different religions and cultures and ideals that you see throughout the film in so many different situations, you know, there really is no conflict,
0: Per se, and there really is no... Except for the, the the moment that one of the Arab men on the train... Oh, the passport? ...doesn't have his passport and refuses to show it to the guard, and he's wrestled to the ground after being told on by one of the Jewish yeah. passengers who has total bias towards the character and just wants to make trouble for trouble's sake. And, you know, in that moment, I think that's Kitai saying it's still that conflict between Palestinians and Israelis is still there. There is still that conflict because, you know, Palestine's still trying to get their own homeland. Same with the Israelis. They're all trying to find their, their home and settle down and such. And they've been at war with each other for so long. Those wounds still dig deep in the society and are still prevalent in the society. Gatai, in that moment in Tramway is showing that because in most of the vignettes, there. are an assortment of just like reflections of certain people you might meet on a train. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, like, you you know, at first we see, you know, the father with his son. They're excited because they're they're visiting. Yeah, they're just tourists and they are seeing it from that viewpoint. And then everyone else is kind of like within the... The bubble of jerusalem
1: itself and i also kind of feel like because the tramway is moving forward you know because it's going from one side to the other side i feel like that kind of also shows that hey they are moving forward but there's still like we talked about the conflict there's still things that are a bit tense there's road bumps along the way exactly exactly another scene i was thinking of conflict-wise was, was the two women when they're uh asking you know, what why are they together or whatever and the the man comes up and he says you know where are your papers And he's questioning them because they're two women that are, you know, with each other and they're traveling together, per per se, you know, and and then she's accompanied by a man, yeah. which brings us back to Kadosh to show that, hey, 1999. And here we are in 2018, uh, 19, even 20 now with the same issues still being present, you know, not
0: near as intense, but it's still underlying that the culture itself, the society itself it just really moves the viewer through it. And you start rooting for s- some of the characters, too, you know, or you feel for some of the characters because you've been in that situation just from personal experience. You know, It's actually almost kind of like if you were riding a subway on in New York and you're seeing that's what everything I that's to. happening. Because I've rode the subways in New York quite a few times, and it's very much, you know, you look around and you try to look at people In a certain way, because you're all crammed into one space and you're forced to kind of live in that space together, which is an interesting symbol, too, that Gitai used to train to symbolize how, you know, Jerusalem really is, as you said, a melting pot of all different cultures and societies and such that they're all thrown into a space together and they have to learn how to like work and live together. First off, the use of music in
1: both films, I wanted to point that out just because he uses the music to kind of pull the viewer in right at the start of Kadosh and also in Tramway. But in Tramway, you'll have the scene take place, right? And then once the dialogue is done, he'll just zoom in on the actor's face and just stay there. So you're seeing basically all the thought process after what's just happening, especially with the woman, the woman with the red hair. Remember when she opens the box to her shoes and she's like, you know, I, I only wear
0: heels in bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you don't know if she's like a call girl, an escort, or if she's just a woman in Jerusalem who, you know, is just having an affair with someone and is talking to her girlfriend about it. You just don't know, like, how do you take that? You know, you could take that in many ways. And also, how can you view those two people? And I think that's what Gita is also trying to say is like, not everyone is who they seem. And you shouldn't judge people, too, because the security guard comes over and judges that. Oh, because they're unaccompanied by a man like, you know, he kind of gives him some trouble with that. But then you have
1: him in another scene, you know, trying to make a move on a woman that he slept, uh,
0: assuming slept with before. Right. And she's like, no, stop and and get off me. Basically, it's over. Gatai is trying to show all facets of the society itself.
1: Wrapping back around to talking about, you know, the, the shots and everything, those ending shots where he just zooms in on the characters faces on the actor's faces kind of allows you to just think about like, you know, who is this person really? You kind of allow yourself to kind of make up their story in a way. I feel like those type of shots are so unique because there is no dialogue spoken, but you still feel like they're saying something to you. And, And I found those just gripping. Every time he would do that, I would just be, you know, glued to my screen like, oh, who is this person? You know, what what I just watched. Yeah, I saw a small little glimpse of their life, but now I'm in their most vulnerable state. I'm in their most vulnerable state. Like when you're right up in an actor's face with an
0: extreme close up, they can't hide anything. There is nothing to hide there. Everything there is real. What I find interesting also is that in a tramway in Jerusalem, Gatai uses the very first shot of the film, if you think about it, the very first shot of the film is the woman singing in Hebrew to bring us into this space. It places us in the country we're in. The very last shot of the film is a similar close-up, but it's in Arabic. The last song is in Arabic, and it's a close-up of the Arabic woman, probably Palestinian. Gitae just holds on her face and same with the woman in the beginning. And it's two bookends of what the city is. The commonality of the two religions, you know, they're all, they all come from the same tribe and they all have to just learn how to live together. And then with Kadosh, the way he uses shots is the long take at the very beginning to bring us in, as we said. And also then at the very end when Rivka dies, yeah, spoiler alert, the thing is they both take place in the bedroom and they both have the same two characters bookend the film. It has that theater feel to it because it's very, in that sense, staged. For me personally, music is really used in both films in a big way. Kadosh, I think, used more of a traditional klezmer type of sound to it, which klezmer's got a type of Jewish music and you know they use certain instrument combinations and such. Mostly violin, they'll use sometimes an accordion, but sometimes they'll use bass as well. But it has that very gypsy vibe to it. The music I found very haunting in Kadosh because you hear the theme of sort of the religion if if he if he's putting a staple on it, guitar kind of makes that the theme of the religion it enhances letting the scenes breathe more and also adds to who the characters are, too, that are defined by their religion. Exactly. Music is a is a big
1: way that people were reached, I feel like, because music is something that unites all of us, no matter
0: what type it is. You know, and, and it doesn't matter who it's coming from. It has a binding quality to it. It enhances the overall story of the film, too. The, the one scene that I'm a big fan of rap. So when the when the rap came
1: up, this one line stuck with me. He repeats it a couple times, but he says, Palestine is not a land, it
0: lives in us. Basically, the people are what make the country what it is. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that was a very poignant thing that Gatai uses in music that he'll work in a character saying a certain line of a song. And somehow that reflects on what he's trying to say just from an artistic point of view and also from a humanist point of view. Well, yeah, it could be about any group of people. It can even be applied to what we're living through right now, you know, in the U.S., anywhere in the world. Because if you think about it, all societies, they all have to learn how to work together. And, you know, we're all put on this earth to figure that out. Kadosh gets high in his more darker, cynical view and then Tramway in Jerusalem has more of a hopeful view of what the world could be.
1: Yeah. And again, in Tramway, you know, the tram's going forward. So
0: a forward motion is always a positive motion. Yeah. We're not stuck in the past. We're looking to the future. Yeah,
1: I enjoy, I really enjoyed the films this week. Like I said, when I first started Tramway in Jerusalem, it was like, okay, this is just people on a tram. But then I really started to appreciate it and, and realize, you know, what, Gatai was trying to say with the film. And that's when I really started to appreciate what I was watching.
0: I think also, you know, film, it's an expressive medium that directors use to voice their opinions on the world and and how they are feeling at certain points in their lives, too. And they have the ability to do that. You know, it's it's interesting because Gatai is showing that, yeah, there are some things that are wrong and they need to change. Well, he's the Yakov of the country, basically. Interesting that you say that because in Kadosh, he actually makes a cameo in the bar where Yaakov is, where really? Malka goes to have a fling with, uh, with Yaakov. Yeah. And and Gatai is there at the bar, like just denying her to like go get Yaakov. And then he finally relents and feels bad for her. So. Wait, he's the guy behind the bar? He's the guy behind the bar. I had no... That's crazy. (laughs) I had no idea. He literally is the Yaakov of of Israel. He has that rebelliousness to go against the norm. Directors that come from countries that have certain societal and uh, religious and cultural oppression in it, they find ways to show it and explain how we can try to better ourselves and, and get out of that oppression. He's not trying to hit you over the head and say this is what you got to do. He leaves it to the viewer's interpretation, and almost makes it in docu drama type of style and shows Israel for what it is.
1: Yeah, and I, I feel like you could take that line from the from the rap scene in Tramway of Palestine is not a land that lives in us, and you could replace Palestine with I feel like anything, and yeah. it would remain true. Exactly, because ultimately it's about humanity. You know, we we make the land. The land doesn't make us. If you like this episode, follow us on social media at Film Detectives for further news and upcoming shows. Join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world.